With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Mannix from The Vertical, and welcome to The Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix, where I check in with some of the top players, coaches, and analysts covering the NBA. Joining me this week is former NBA guard, NBA analyst for Turner Sports and NBA TV, Brent Barry. Phil Jackson is back in the news with some critical comments for LeBron James, Mike Conley, and others. I asked Brent for his take on Jackson's comments. Yeah, I I think it takes away a lot of the cachet that uh, Coach Jackson and the respect that Coach Jackson has had through the years and and obviously the great success he had with the teams on the floor while he was down on the floor. And while Golden State's offense is clicking, defense is still a lingering issue in the Bay Area. I asked Brent how concerned Golden State should be about its weakness on the front line. You still have the idea, Chris, that you're going to be able to uh, to, to make a run at a title for, for this season, even if you don't make any changes. All that and more coming up next on the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Yahoo Sports presents the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your host, Chris Mannix. My guest this week is uh, Brent Barry, the uh, Turner Sports NBA analyst, NBA TV, NBA TNT, of course, uh, longtime NBA shooting guard, and uh, Brent joins me here uh, on the podcast. How you doing, Brent? I'm doing good. I didn't read any uh, rumors uh, from Scalabrini today about any trades I have to look into, so <laughs> I, I get to relax today. <laughs> no big news. Isn't that, uh, though, boy. isn't that just a, a an indication of where we are in the reporting world where uh, a, a morning 
radio show on XM Radio, a rumor tossed out there without any real substance. And I, I'm not, I love Scal, but it all of a sudden gets to the point where hours later on the West Coast, the head coach of the team has to respond yeah. to it. I mean, that's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty fascinating. And uh, I know this was obviously played many moons ago that, you know, a word like that, any kind of deal that was eminent, or if there were even teams that were discussing something potentially, you never heard about it really until it was done. I mean, it just kind of was, uh, well, that trade's done. But now there's so much speculation and movement, and, and you know, guys can sit at home with their uh, with their trade machines and calculators and throw something any which way up on uh, up on a site somewhere, and uh, people have a, ten, uh, a tendency to run with those sort of things. So it's unfortunate that Steve has to take the time and Danny Ainge has to take the time uh, to deal with things like that, and then it plants a seed inside the player's head, like, well, is there anything to that at all? And and that's really the last thing that any player given all the responsibilities of what you're trying to do for your team and for yourself to get ready for a season want to deal with. And so shame on Scal. Shame on Scal. I, I was going to ask you that. The the As a former player, when, when a trade rumor gets thrown out there, I mean, how often do, would you want the GM or the coach to come down and address that with you? Because we are in that that day and age, Brent, where hoops hype is littered with with bad gossip that's out there. I mean, how often would you want to be reassured uh, if that's the word, right word for it, if you're a player? Yeah, I, I think that um, any good GM nowadays, Chris, has to do his diligence with regards to that, knowing that the, the players have access to all these sort of things. And if the player hasn't heard about it, I guarantee you somebody that, that he knows or is a friend of his or a friend of a friend is going to let him know and he has to react to that. So, I think it's it puts the onus on general managers to to understand the the, the type of environment that we're living in and to, to settle anything down that, that might reach uh, the player in any sort of way. That that is reassuring, but it is difficult. I mean, there's so many things out there. It's it's pretty tough to do. I want to get to the Warriors in a second, but the story that's been evolving today is Phil Jackson and the interview he did uh, with ESPN, where he he basically insulted or talked about negatively a lot of people, whether it was Mike Conley or LeBron James. But the, uh, the, the story that's been, that emerged is his use of the word posse when discussing LeBron James uh, and, and his, his, his friends that he, he associates with that didn't sit well with Maverick Carter, LeBron's business manager. I mean, no. I, I just don't, Brett, I just don't understand why Phil feels the need to open up about people and players that are not associated with his team. I mean, he, he continues to do this and it's cost him yeah. a lot in the last few years. Yeah. I, I think it takes away a lot of the cachet that uh, coach Jackson and the respect that coach Jackson has had through the years. And, and obviously the great success he had with the teams on the floor while he was down on the floor, but given the state of the, the Knicks franchise and where they've been and what they're trying to do it, what they're trying to do and how many times They've just failed to pour any sort of foundation in the time that he's been um, in, in charge upstairs. It's pretty interesting. I, I guess the other thing, Chris, and you can tell me because you're, you're on that side of things. You're, you're a, a professional journalist, and I just pretend to be an analyst. But <laughs> the idea of that interview, and I think it was with the, the great Jackie McMullen, if yes. I'm not mistaken. It wasn't with Jackie. It was. I wonder what, the, I wonder what that conversation 
was was really like. I, I wonder if that was Jackie sitting down and, and talking to Phil and telling him, look, I, I really want to discuss some of these things with you and the format with which they conducted um, that, that interview and whether or not uh, he knew that was going to be something that absolutely was going to be in print and something that was going to be digested by uh, by the mass media. If that was the case, I guess it's just a little bit alarming that he would touch on on so many different subjects with one subject being the Knicks uh, that should be of, of the utmost importance to try to uh, clean up and get together. No, it so was uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. It was it began um, as a, a conversation about uh, the Knicks and, and where they were, and then it did branch out into a wide ranging uh, kind of interview. But right. you know, Phil was the you know Phil brought up LeBron. Um, when on a conversation on a subject that to do with the Knicks, he brought up LeBron and, and saying, you know, we don't have a Rolls Royce. LeBron, you have that right. Rolls Royce types of play, type of player. But everything else, he just kind of took it upon himself. And, and and yeah, I mean, Jackie asked the pointy questions about Greg Popovich and Pat Riley and that sort of type of stuff. But if you're Phil and, and you're 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 in the position you're in right now, I mean, I, not that you don't give that interview, but you, I think you had to shy away from some of those polarizing topics because it's just not going to help you at all. No, it's not. And, and obviously, again, Chris, having your concern be your team, that that's your priority is, I, I think, uh, maybe where a lot of people are shaking their head about it. But also, Chris, we, we know this, having um, you having covered the league for as long as you have, and um, I've, I've been around it too, that Phil Jackson has always been, always been the kind of personality that's thought out what he said has always been very calculated in the things that uh, he has said, sending mixed messages um, and, and sometimes having people have to read between the lines. And uh, this this sort of is a bit, I think, out of character for him to be as maybe as blunt as he was uh, in this interview. And, and the backlash, whatever that is, if that's even the right term, uh, it, it's, been a, it's been pretty interesting. How would you evaluate the job that he's done in the two plus years, because I, I've been, I've been very critical, Brent. I have, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with much of what he's done in free agency. I think he's doing a lot of what I saw Isaiah Thomas do 10, 15 years ago. As you build this team around free agency, he's been fleeced in, in at least one deal. The Andrea Bargnani deal for first round pick was a mess uh, for him. really Brent. If it wasn't for, for Kristaps Porzingis, I would rank Phil Jackson, the executive, as the worst executive in the NBA. And that might be over the top, but but I, I outside of Porzingis, I don't agree with with much of what he's done. Yeah, I, I don't know how far down the line I, I would go with it. And, and obviously, it, I don't have my, my uh, trusty computer in front of me to kind of go through some of the scenarios and, and interesting picks and moves that they've made. But one of the things, Chris, I think we thought about with Phil Jackson going to New York and, and trying to reconstitute this team and rebuild the franchise is I liken it to, you know, building a, a new house. It seems like he's taken material from the house next door that's been torn down and tried to rebuild his house with, you know, repurposed materials, which I don't know if that's really the sense that I got when Coach Jackson was going to take over as a general manager there. I thought there was going to be some creativity and about this, youth movement and building around so that in successive years, you see not only a, a coach in place that's going to put a culture in place, because we use, we love to use that term, uh, but that you are going to have this positive movement forward with 
with a youth movement and, and a group that's growing and learning together. And it's sort of like he's borrowed the material from next door from the house that's torn down and grabbed those pieces and bringing in uh, a Derek Rose and a Noah and the coaching changes and all those sort of things. So it's, it's been a little bit mismatched and uh, you know, we'll wait and see how this season ends up going with the way, the way they started out. It's been a little bit uninspired, but there's still time for those guys to get it together, but lots of question marks surrounding uh, what New York Knicks basketball uh, is right now and what it's going to be, I guess, in the next couple of years. The, the deal I didn't agree with um, the most this offseason, like Derek Rose, I, I'm okay with. I mean, it's the last year of his contract. It, it's a, a low-risk, potentially high-reward uh, type of trade, given what they gave up. But I, I've long believed, Brent, and I, I'm curious what you think when you see Kristaps Porzingis, that eventually he's going to be a center. And yeah, and as a center, as a center, he is dynamic. As a power forward, still you know uh, dangerous, but not as dynamic. You saw in the Dallas game on Monday night when he came out and he played center for them, and he was great as a center for that team awesome. in that. And I'm looking at him like you just gave Joe Kim No all this money. Are, are you going to to sit him out like they did in the second half more? I mean, uh, how does this work yeah. where where Porzingis is is going to be stuck playing a position that's not his best one? Well, Chris, if we can take it even forward from that, um, you know, I know Porzingis started started that. Uh, did he start the game for them, or just the second half? Second half, he removal. came in as the second. Yeah, just the second half. Right. So, one of, one of the interesting things about that is over the course of the past couple seasons, how good has Carmelo Anthony been as the four for the Knicks? Yeah. How tough a matchup has he been playing the power forward position? So you put those two guys together with Porzingis as the unicorn out there running around at the five spot. And you know that's just an impossible matchup, really, uh, for any team. So, yeah, it is curious. The, the Noah signing was curious. Also, Noah coming off really two years where he hadn't physically looked a- anything like himself uh, when he made that run for uh, defensive player of the year and how active he was in Chicago and what they used to do grinding around that team's defense. You know that the, the shift in what you're trying to do offensively, especially with the Porzingis, is that you're going to try to be a little bit more dynamic offensively, spread the floor, make some room. Um, and so, yeah, that signing is a little bit curious. And, again, we just have to wait and see what, what the rest of the season under Coach Honosek ends up being for the Knicks. But like I talked about before, Chris, just the movement forward with, with young guys where you're seeing the steady improvement and saying – oh, man, there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel here. It, it seems like um, they're in the subway, and there, there is no sun peeking through right now. You're listening to the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. It's the MMQB Podcast with Peter King. As a little boy, I was in the yard being Joe Montana, throwing balls at Jerry Rice to win Super Bowls. And um, to have the opportunity to throw a touchdown – to pretty much win a Super Bowl is what every boy, and especially me, dreamt of. The MMQB Podcast with Peter King. Subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now a word from Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts out of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. 
Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash Mannix. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, let's talk about the Clippers, who are on the, the other end of this spectrum here. 10-1 uh, and one to start the season after absolutely smoking the Nets uh, on Monday night. The, the thing I see, Brent, is uh, more of a renewed commitment to defense um, with this team. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just so much better. And when they can be, you know, not just number one defensively, but even the top five, they're dangerous because of what they do offensively. When, when you've seen from them the first 10, 11 games of the season, what, what do you see? Yeah, let's step outside of that a little bit, Chris, and, and just bring up from a player's perspective what I tell you with regards to their roster is there's not a lot of things um, that opposing teams are going to throw at the Clippers that this group collectively, I mean, 1, to 10, or 11, however many Doc wants to play, with how much experience they have, this is one of the things that's one of the biggest legs up to their defenses. They have so much experience out there um, and that they know these coverages that Doc's going to be able to switch and mix and match some of the defensive coverages, basically on you know timeout situations or ball out of bounds to be able to communicate a call as a coach and to say, hey guys, you know, on this particular pick and roll set or for the next three minutes, we're in trap or for the next three minutes, you know, we're pushing the screen toward the baseline and we're going to cover up. I think that's one of the reasons why they've gotten off to a great defensive start. And the second reason, Chris, is probably because they've gone back to what they did a couple of years ago. There was a, a pretty big shift in how they covered uh, pick and roll action and what they did with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and their athleticism as those bigs to cover more ground, much like KG did in Boston for Doc. And then last year, they made a pretty big shift. They started going flat on a lot of screens. They started sort of backing up and giving guys a little bit of room. And it opened up a ton of gaps in their defense. And I feel like they lost a ton of confidence in that. And I think this year, Doc went back to what they were doing two years ago. And the guys are looking at each other in preseason going, hell yeah, we, this is what we're good at. You know, this, let's, let's do this and let's dig in. And so I, I'm – I'm impressed with their focus. They have been incredibly, incredibly laser-focused on the beginning of the season. And then lastly, I'll just mention, I think uh, Blake has been great. Yeah. All, all the all the crap from last year, all the off-court stuff. I mean, he was embarrassed. I saw him over the summer and, and again, tireless work in the gym. But just personally, he felt terrible about last year felt the weight of the responsibility that he has, not only individually, but to his teammates and to the franchise and what he means to them, and he has been remarkable in the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, I'll tell you what, too. What else impresses me is that, um, you know, you mentioned the roster, and I, I think the the decision to elevate Lawrence Frank into that executive role and, and really focus on on right, acquiring right. free agency, they've done a nice job. Yeah. I mean, the, the scrap heap yeah. free agents, yeah. whether it's Mo Spates, who has been great for them, Raymond Felton, who's Felton. had his own resurgence, yeah. Brandon Bass. I mean, they don't have any money yeah. to spend on these guys, as you know, and – and they're getting the guys that, that can play at a, at a cheap price. Yeah, and those guys also, Chris, a great point to bring up is where those guys are there in their career. You know, where is Brandon Bass in his career? We, we know when he is. You know, he can knock down a mid-range jump shot. He's active. He has long arms down there. He can rebound and he's going to finish around the basket. 
most fates, you know exactly what he's about. He's going to come in and shoot the ball and be instant offense for your team. And if he's struggling, he's probably not going to play a ton of minutes. But how desperately had the Clippers looked for over the past couple of years, somebody besides Jamal Crawford that can come in and give you double-figure scoring off the bench. Mm. And then Austin Rivers is, is steadily gaining some confidence and some maturity and playing more consistently. So these are great additions and additions that – I think there's this great saying in the NBA, go with the un- go with the known and leave the unknown alone. And that's what Lauren Schrag targeted, guys that he knew uh, exactly what they can do and how they could fit into that Clipper system. So they are they are pretty complete, and it's going to be a, a really interesting year for, for the Clippers and where it is that they're going to end up this season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that first uh, Clippers-Warriors matchup uh, next month. Ha- have been really since the the Warriors smacked them around uh, in the preseason. Which Preseason? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that got attention, didn't it? That's, That's Yeah, great. I mean, it, it really did. And yeah. it, it made people, I think it, it gave people even more confidence about the Warriors. But I'll tell you what, Brent, and, and my confidence in Golden State has eroded significantly in the last couple of weeks because I don't believe that these front court problems are as easily fixable as maybe others do. I heard Draymond Green say uh, earlier this week that, you know, it, uh, it it's an issue. We just need some time to work it out. But he also mentioned that having Bogut there the last few years gave them more confidence to be aggressive defensively because he could clean up mistakes. I just, I just don't think see the same things in Zaza Pachulia, who was really bad in the second half of last season with Dallas, David West, who's 36, JaVale McGee, who's been unreliable Forever. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I just think these are are, are potentially scary issues uh, for Golden State to deal with in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden it feels like uh, Steve Kerr is coaching more of a, a Mike D'Antoni team yeah. at this point. You know, where we're we're going to be a middle of the road defense, but we're going to score a ton of points, and if we just get the key stop for a three minute stretch, that's enough for us to win. I, I feel like Chris that Bob Myers and Steve are are recognizing all of these things they have to do some things in the beginning of the season to tweak what it is that offensively they've done over the past couple of years you bring in Kevin Durant you can't just say we're going to run the exact same sets that we've been running for two seasons it's just not going to work but I think that this roster will change I just don't believe that the roster and I'm not talking I'm not going scal here I'm not saying <laughs> that one of their big four guys is going anywhere but you mentioned it. You can't have those four bigs uh, be part of this equation. And, and another reading, and I'm, I'm remiss on the kid from Purdue that they that they brought. Yeah. Um, I know that he's coming around and, and is going to be healthy soon. But the idea is that you can't waste four big spots the way that they are. So I, I think the search is on for for Bob Myers and uh, their scouting staff to try to locate a big, whether it's on an NBA roster that's sitting as the 11th or 12th man, somewhere where they can find a guy and put him into the system to just do one thing dynamically well, if that's you know, rim protection or blocking shots, somebody that they can dig out and, and put in there, um, the roster will change. I, I really do believe that they're going to make some sort of move to try to shore up what they need at the uh, at the five spot for, for some minutes. All right, then, then play devil's advocate here with me for a second. Let's fast forward to January and for the sake of argument, assume that the things that are going well are still going well, but the problems, especially defensively and rebounding, uh, still remain. They're second or third in the uh, Western Conference. I mean, is this year one of those years where you play this thing out, you don't even think about a, a significant yeah. roster change, 
Or do you, you know, start to really look at maybe some of the marquee guys in your roster and, and think about, you know, making an upgrade? No, I think you play it out. I, I think you're looking at what you need to fill in those gaps, like we talked about, between those four bigs. And if you're not making strides forward and you see these alarming things continue to happen for your team, I, I don't think that you're going to tweak it. You still have the idea, Chris, that you're going to be able to, uh, to to make a run at a title for, for this season, even if you don't make any changes. And then after the year is over with, you can really assess you know, how much your assets can bring back to you. You don't just make some knee-jerk uh, need your deal because you know that the team, whenever you make this move, is still capable with Curry, with Draymond Green, with KD, with Clay, still capable of getting you back to uh, to a championship uh, level of play. So I, 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 again, I feel like it's a tweet, but it's not going to be anything super significant. I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised if they don't go through, you know, fifty games and. and get all panicky that's just not steve's way it's pretty clear that when teams play the warriors what doesn't work is trying to get into a track meet with them when you when phoenix or oklahoma city or these other teams play up tempo with golden state you're, you're just not going to win that matchup do, do you think do you think as they get against you don't walk, you don't walk down you don't walk down the catwalk model no you know no no you just don't you just don't do that but do you and think that teams those are young teams, though, Chris. You yeah. just mentioned, like, Oklahoma City, besides Russell. I mean, these are these are teams that are going to get caught in those kind of traps. You know, it's the teams, the significant matchups that you're talking about are when they do face the Clippers or when they and they see that, that defense and what those, that defense can do to you on the interior. When they do face the Spurs, who can control every aspect of the pace of the game and are not seeking out three-point shots. And, and don't worry about your three versus our two because – we're going to execute you and we're going to put you into positions where you're not normally comfortable operating in your offense and we'll make you slow it down uh, and grind the way we want to and make you play out of the post and do some things. That, that's where Golden State, you know, these other teams, they'll, they'll beat the, by their talent alone. But those other matchups are the key ones uh, in, in which the, the Warriors have to really watch and see what it is that they're capable of doing. I think they have some good matchups coming up this week, Chris, with, mm-hmm. with Toronto, with Boston. Uh, Boston, the team that, you know, we hear all, all the talk all week long about how Boston gave away the secrets to Kevin Durant and how they defended him, uh, or how they defended the Warriors last year. Um, so we'll see, you know, how they do against these other teams that sort of have more established uh, uh, styles of play and are a little bit more consistent with what they do defensively. I just think that the the secret, if there is one, to to playing the Warriors has just got to be grinding it out with them. I mean, I, I watched that Oklahoma City game, and for like eight minutes, Stephen Adams was in control. Stephen Adams dominated yeah. that game, and and you have a lot of Stephen Adams types in the Western Conference. You go from San Antonio to to the Clippers, even down to Utah. I think Utah could have given some trouble with uh, with their front line. I, I think you got to kind of cast your lot, you know, playing big because playing small is not going to work. You, you play you know, a, a four man at the five and, and you try to match up with Durant, that's that's just never going to work against a team with four, you know, all-stars and, and a handful of Hall of Famers. Or the idea, Chris, too, is if you're not in transition, if you can't get at them early, make sure you, you milk possessions as best you can. You know, Portland caused them problems last year because they have two guards in Lillard and McCollum that can control those kind of possessions. And when you get big guys willing in that kind of set of scenario for Terry Stotts, big guys like Plumlee that are willing to go out and set the type of screens that are going to make the guards work 
and you can get switches and try to gain advantage that way later on in the clock, ball movement side to side, and just kind of constantly keep putting your foot on the gas a little bit, and then you know, almost like a grandma driving, put your foot on the gas, you know, put your foot on the brake. It, within 20 feet, do that 50 times, and that's frustrating for a team that needs that kind of rhythm the way that the Warriors do as a, as a great uh, shooting basketball team. So San Antonio has been just kind of reliable once again, eight and three to to start the season. Um, when you watch the Spurs, is there an impact to Tim Duncan being gone? I mean, I'm sure in the locker room it's it's felt, but on the floor, is have you seen any type of, of changes with how they play? Yeah, I think um, there are definitely things that uh, Pop's trying to cover up with the idea of not having the kind of guy, like you mentioned with Bogut back there. You know how you just said Draymond Green could be way more aggressive because he knew Bogut was going to be back there and would take care of things. That's not the scenario with, with San Antonio. So I think there are ways that Pop is trying to adjust for them defensively to maybe make these coverages be a little flatter maybe that term gets lost with with some of the listeners, but when you talk about pick and rolls where you, you back up your big guys a little bit and you kind of catch any action that's coming at you rather than stepping forward to guys with quickness or moving up towards guys where you're inviting them to go into the lane where they're going to have problems because you know old Reliable 21 is back there and, and you know he's going to be in the right spot. Not only to challenge the shot, not about blocking it, but to collect the rebound after you miss because those are the most difficult shots really to take in the league. So I think that as the season goes on, he's got to find more consistency from Powell uh, in those areas and make sure that Powell understands how much of a responsibility he has, not in terms of scoring, but what he needs to do for them defensively. And I, I think the thing that we're interested with them always is the athleticism of these other teams. You know, when you talk about the bigs, like the athleticism last year of OKC with Ibaka and Steven Adams and what the Clippers represent with DeAndre and Blake. This is where the, the Spurs, I think, didn't do themselves any favors with the roster bringing in Powell is that I know they're younger, but they're not as athletic at all those positions. And especially, you know, with Tony aging at the point guard position, it's a tall order. So it calls for that pace and discipline on the defensive end, which I know Pop takes on that challenge and they can do. Uh, but can they do it over the course of series come playoff times with, with tough matchups? Yeah, I think it's it's hard to really forecast the Spurs until you get to March and April and we see what some of their older players are, are looking like in terms oh, of... Uh, I, I want to say this, Chris. No, systematically, this is where, you know, hopefully there's a shift of what people's consciousness is to the Spurs with regards to their system. We've talked about Pop being an incredible coach, you know, maybe the game's greatest coach, uh, certainly in the modern era that we've seen, but watch throughout the year the system that the Spurs play and just how much the system alone is going to win them games. You know, players players be damned in this. It's the idea that you can plug in these guys into what uh, this offense offers up on a nightly basis because it's so disciplined and because it's so intricate. It just opens up good shots, consistently good play. And if you watch him on a on a Tuesday, and you know you got. Tony, Manu, and, and Aldridge playing, and then you watch them on Thursday, and those other guys aren't playing, you're going to see the same shots from the same spots. And, and that really speaks to how great the system is that, that Pop puts out on the floor. A couple things for you on the bottom of, of the Western Conference uh, uh, bracket there. Uh, starting with um, with what we've seen from the Pelicans uh, early on, uh, just 
you know, really continuing a backslide from a couple of years ago when, when Monty Williams was there and got them into that eighth seed and they look like a, a team uh, on the rise. Now, I know injuries have played a factor here, but but this roster is kind of a mess. And and when you hear Anthony Davis, you know, openly wonder what's going on and, and you see this team just continue to struggle uh, on both ends. I mean, what's your take on on where the, the Pelicans are right now? Well, I want to say that Anthony Davis is in a tough situation, but I mean, they, they have their franchise guy. They, they signed him to the contract. They're, they're going to try to do their best to build the team. And so this is a great test of, of what his character is about and uh, how hard he continues to work and try to uh, improve his game. I mean, we know he's one of the top 15 players. You know, people would argue maybe top 10 guys in the league and he's, you know, he's under a big storm cloud right now uh, in, in New Orleans. I feel terrible for Alvin Gentry. It's been 18 months that that team has not had their roster together, a roster on the floor that would resemble anything that could be competitive against uh, a middle of the road team in the NBA. And so it's been a, a dismal set of circumstances for Alvin Gentry. I feel like he's taken a little bit too much heat for that, to be honest with you, Chris. I mean, you lose Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson off to Houston. Those are guys that were supposed to complement Anthony Davis. You haven't seen Tyreek Evans, you know, for, for a long time, be healthy for consistent 20, 20, 25 games. Uh, and he causes you some problems out on the floor. Drew Holiday's personal situation, I mean, the, the guy was an all-star point guard in the Eastern Conference and uh, hasn't been available for their team. You know, you just kind of throw your arms up in the air and just say, you know, what is Alvin to do? Uh, but that's where that's where people are going to start pointing fingers. And I know the roster is just kind of thrown together uh, for this year after they lost Gordon and after they lost Ryan Anderson. But there there wasn't too much that they can do. And the guys that they've relied on have been more relied on medication than anything else because they're trying to get healthy. And so it is a bit of a mess. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see I don't yeah. see Alvin. Be, Alvin's not wouldn't be deserving of being the fall guy here. Not with with all the things you mentioned and. The roster being put together, though, I mean, I look at Dell Demps and some of the moves he made have been really head-scratching. Like, you know, the Solomon Hill contract was absurd. I mean, there were a lot of absurd contracts out there, but his contract was the nuttiest, I think, of of perhaps uh, all of them. And and the, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of nuts in the bowl right now, Chris, league wide. But we got we got to get used to that. I mean, it's, there's a lot of that out there. But for them, yeah, I, I think you're right with the. Uh, with the Hill deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know what, I don't think you're going to solve anything by firing Gentry. I, I think he's, I think this team has to kind of accept the mess the season's going to be because, you know, I mean, you know this, when when a player comes back, and we saw it with Derrick Rose uh, with New York, when a player jumps back into it after missing a significant amount of time, it's not going to be a seamless transition. I mean, Drew Holiday's no. dealt with so many injuries of his own yeah. prior to this. I mean, he's going to come in yeah. whenever he comes back, and it's going to be a month or longer before he looks yeah. anything close to the player he once was. And last year, Chris, I mean, they had to deal with Drew being on minutes restrictions. So now you're trying to, you know, you're flipping the script on a system and you have Alvin there trying to preach all these things. And then he has a point guard that he's relying on as being, you know, the conduit and calling plays and seeing things. They can only play 20 minutes a game. I, is this a nightmare scenario for Alvin Gentry as the coach? It's been a nightmare scenario for, Anthony Davis, other than the contract, but that you know that's business side of things. It's a tough road as a as a player being in his position where 
he is the main guy and he wants to be competitive. And there is looking around the locker room, just no way for you to, to find uh, any silver lining right now with what it is that's happening in New Orleans. And it is, you got to wait it out and you got to be, you got to be diligent with your work. You've got to stay as positive as you can and hope that you find some lightning in the bottle at some point here and, uh, and the team can do something to, to make some changes. That's that's all. The last thing I want to ask you about is the team kind of just above them right now, anyway, in the standing. That's Dallas, who was in New York yeah. uh, on Monday. I, I watched that team, Brent, and I, I feel kind of bad for Dirk Nowitzki there because yeah. he's going to, no matter what happens the rest of the season, I mean, Dallas at best is a back end of the playoff uh, field type of team. And he signed that two-year contract. He's getting paid a bunch of money, as he deserves for what he took the last time around. I, I mean, is it... It's hard, it's hard to watch sometimes when I, I look at Dirk and, and how he's starting to fade a little bit. To see to see him kind of play out the string here a little bit is is a little bit depressing as a huge fan of him throughout the course of his career. Yeah, I mean, I, I give I, I love Dirk uh, having competed against him for many years. He's, he's one of my you know favorite, uh, incredible, incredibly unique players that's uh, that stepped foot on the on the court uh, after you know, his early seasons where people were wondering if this guy would even uh, stick around in the NBA or go back and play in Europe. Well, I think he made a few statements over here and uh, yeah, it is tough. Uh, As great a coach as Rick Carlisle is, there's just not enough there. I think for them offensively, even with Dirk playing, and I know it's going to be limited games this year that they can do anything to, uh, to, to mount any sort of run at the playoffs. I just don't feel like they, they have enough. Um, you're hoping for a recovery year after what it was that uh, Wesley Matthews went through last year and was uh, pretty stoic in, in battling back from his injury, his Achilles injury, and given as many minutes as he did last year. But he's off to a tough start there. Uh, Harris has been out for them at the point guard position. Berean has been very good for them, but I don't know how long the, that, that other little general can keep fighting for them. And there's just not enough offense. As great as Harrison Barnes has, has been, there's just not enough for them to get through some of these teams in the West and, and what they need to do. And their depth is a massive issue. And you can't be relying. I think I looked at the usage rate for Dirk over the past few years. And, I mean, it's been pretty consistent. Even last year, I think 24, 24 or 25% of the possessions are still going through Dirk. And it's just not going to be the case this year. And he's the reason why all those other things for their offense works. If he doesn't play, uh, boy, that's a that's a machine that's pretty clogged up. So going to be a tough year, really, for the Mavs. Yeah, I tell you what, though, the one of Dirk's legacies is going to be how he kind of reinvented the power forward position when he uh, he came to the NBA. Along those same lines, Brent, I feel like when I watch some NBA teams, we're seeing something of a reinvention of the center position because yeah. I mentioned Porzingis, and I feel he's going to be a center at some point. I watched Miles Turner play live recently, and, and I think he's going to be unbelievable. Uh, as a center, and, and of course Joel Embiid. Once they can finally take the shackles off him, you now have yep. you know three seven footer ish big men who uh, can do what Dirk did, who are, are shooters from the outside. In addition yep. to being you know potentially good post players, is this? I know it's still a guard dominated league and, and small forwards and all that, but have you noticed any any kind of trend towards you know the the resurgence of the big man in some ways? Well, I don't know if it's a resurgence in the way where we can go, wow, the five position uh, is back in the NBA because it's not the, the traditional five man. It's watching Boogie Cousins shoot threes. It's watching Anthony Davis ex- expand 
his range to the three point line. It's if we get to the point, Chris, where Gobert is shooting threes, though, we've got to stop. <laughs> We're going to have to pump the brakes a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's been amazing, and I, I think it, it just speaks to the way that the game uh, keeps evolving. I mean, to, to be so naive as to think that we, as a people, are not evolving, the game keeps going, and these guys at the five position. Uh, the way that they move around the court, the athleticism of a, of a Carl Anthony Towns who's stepping back and you know knocking down threes in the step back variety. I mean, this is a, a new generation of guys that have a tremendous amount of skill sets, and it's going to open up uh, open up the game in a whole new way. And it's uh, it's pretty awesome and, and inspiring to to see that because um, you know, these guys are all young and they're they're the future of the league. And I tell you what, I had this fight with uh, with Bobby Marks over at the Vertical about um, you know the, that NBA GM survey, the player you would take to build your team around. Um, I, I thought GMs kind of pulled the shoot a little too early on Anthony Davis, and, on the, and yeah, and look, yeah. If, if you if you did it right now though, if you start that that survey over, I would put Joel Embiid in my top five. <laughs> I, I would. I, I'm that sold on what this guy can do. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I was watching that first game, Chris, and. You know, the first thing that they mentioned in the broadcast was, well, tonight Philadelphia fans at home will get their first look at Embiid. He'll be on a minutes restriction. And all of a sudden, he gets the first few possessions, grabs that, boom, jumper, comes down, shoots a three. And I want to say something, because I've not seen a, a guy his size shoot the three-point shot in a way that a guard who has, you know, incredibly soft hands and incredibly good base and foundation in his shot. I've not seen many five men uh, shoot the ball the way that he does with his arch and the kind of touch he does. I've gone back and looked at some of the ways uh, where he throws himself up and shoots the ball. It is incredibly soft for a guy uh, that big to shoot from that kind of range. And and I'm with you. I, I just sit there going, this guy really has a chance to do some special things. And my biggest prayers and thoughts are, Please stay healthy. Mm. You know, just please give everybody the opportunity to watch this growth and this maturation process happen for, for Joel Embiid, for him personally, but for Philadelphia and the franchise, and for us as fans to watch something come along uh, like a Joel Embiid, I think would just be a, a massive treat. Well, Brent, I appreciate it, my friend. Keep up the great work. Uh, you, you still dunking? Are you still able to dunk? You know what, Chris? I can still dunk, and thank you for asking. I get that question often, and okay. it comes from my 10-year-old little friend. So <laughs> we're at practice, and I'm coaching him up, and I'm like, Cade, I, I can still dunk, and he makes me go and do it. So the goal is to be able to do it at 50. And that is, that's not to say that you're going to be jumping from any kind of distances. Let's not put a distance on it, but let's just throw it down at 50. That's the goal. <laughs> Brent, I appreciate the time, man. Thanks a lot. You got it, Chris. Always great to catch up with you. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Brent Barry for joining the show. A reminder that you can download this podcast and other archive podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, really anywhere you can download podcasts. If you like it, post a comment, give us a rating. You know I appreciate it. While you're there, check out the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick and the Vertical Podcast with Woj. And I'll see you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.